Diamonds are formed under the worst conditions. Butterflies emerge after dying in a chrysalis. They liquefy. You know, that there's beauty after the pain. So if we can all just band together and go through this pain together, we're going to come out the other side stronger and more beautiful than ever. Welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. I'm Bill's manager, Anand Harsh. Today, we have a slightly different episode for you. In the fallout from the grooming allegations against Lauren Ashton, a.k.a. Bass Nectar, which led to his subsequent retirement from music, two longtime collaborators, Mimi Page and Ill Gates, released an open letter and a personal video, respectively, detailing their acknowledgement of the victims and their stories, but also revealing their own stories about Ashton's pattern of co-opting, passing off as his own, miscrediting, and ultimately capitalizing on the music of smaller artists in the industry. In a music industry built on clout, this pattern is starting to emerge as a major pressure point for developing artists, and we knew that this was something we wanted to get both artists on with Build to discuss. The conversation is obviously free-ranging and covers a number of topics, but all of them are important, which is why we've rushed this episode out to you. For our Patreon subscribers, due to the timeliness and seriousness of this episode, we opted to release this episode to both patrons and the free feed simultaneously. Don't worry, we still love you the most, and we'll make sure that your subscriptions are honored and you get early access to episodes in the future. As it stands now, you're a full week ahead of the freebies, so I hope that inflates your moral certitude further. We are putting resources in the description of this episode for anyone seeking help from sexual abuse or harm. Both Mimi Page and Ill Gates are fans of the work of Rain, uh, R-A-I-N-N dot org. And we encourage anyone who has the means to donate to this incredible organization that helps victims directly. Um, without further ado, let's get to this episode with Mimi Page and Ill Gates. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. cool all right i'm recording too so we can start um sweet well yeah thanks for taking the time to come on i appreciate both of you uh coming on and, and talking about this because yeah like me and dylan were just talking about this it's a, it's a touchy sensitive topic but i think it's an important one to be talked about and i was just explaining to dylan mimi that um i just i read your uh tumblr post yesterday and i also watched dylan's video that came out few weeks ago and i've read all a <clears throat> uh, bunch of stuff online about you know all the stuff going on surrounding bass nectar at the moment um and i yeah i just wanted to talk about this from all angles i suppose because uh, you know a tumblr post is sort of uh you know a written letter or an open letter as you you put it to lauren and you know a, a youtube video is a recorded video where you know you can talk and um you know, state all all the things you want to state uh, but I feel like a podcast is kind of interesting because it's a bit more modular and can you know it has a bit more elasticity to it because there's a bunch of people talking and stuff like that so I thought it could just be an interesting platform in which to sort of rehash all of this stuff yeah I think I think bit. you're right and it's also like um you know my my perspective on this whole thing uh, has been a constantly evolving 
thing as I've learned more and more uh, information and as I've kind of come to understand nuances of the whole thing that I didn't before and, and as I've come to understand things that I was taking for granted and things that I was just missing from my male perspective, you know? So even since that video, my perspective has changed a lot. Dylan, I really respect you for that. I really do because I think you have such a unique perspective on this whole situation because you've known Lauren for so long and, you know, yeah, I've worked with him for almost nine years now, um, but I haven't gone as far back as you have. So I can't imagine traumatically what you've experienced um, just as a friend, um, as a collaborator, as a teacher, you know, and, and especially with all of this happening, we're experiencing this during a pandemic um, and it's like for people to talk about this on the internet as fans, like they can go to other jobs, you know, like the thing is, this is our, our job. We're musicians, um, like our whole industry is shut down in a big, you know, way. And it's an extremely sensitive time to have anything come forward, you know? And so I just admire you, Dylan, for your strength and willing to shift your perspective and listen to these women and just as my collaborator, speak out and use your voice. Um, I personally have been a little upset that more men haven't been speaking out. And I know more will come forward because they've they've texted me and said, you know, I stand with you and I'm going to, you know, find my words in time. But, you know, Dylan, you have from like day one stood up and been an ally for these women and then also for me as a collaborator. So I am so grateful for you. Thanks. Yeah, it's been absolutely terrifying, you know, it really has. And it's also like, I've known Lauren since I was a kid, you know, like my, my early, like maybe like 21 or something, you know, and I was, I was just, a, just a kid. And, uh, you know, we've been so, we've worked so closely together for, for such a long time. I mean, we kind of, we kind of drifted apart after 2012, but you know, he's always uh, been a really big part of my life and a huge part of my career. So it was really like, you know, when this all first started coming out, I just, I didn't want to believe any of it. You know, I, I really like, you know, I thought, because I mean, when you get to a certain position of fame, it's like, there's always going to be people gunning to take you out. And when I talked to him about what was going on, he was basically like, look, this is a conspiracy to take me out because of my outspoken political beliefs. And there's, you know, this is an organized takedown campaign and they're misrepresenting the truth and they're just trying to take me out because I spoke up about Trump, which seemed reasonable at the time. And when the evidence against Base Nectar Page first came out, the very clear misrepresentations of the truth were there and it, and it really seemed like they were just using anything and everything that they could find to present in the way that fit their agenda so it was easy for me at first to take Lauren's 
word at face value and to dismiss the claims against him. So do, just before we go forward, we should, because um, I want this to be sort of like a self-standing podcast that someone can listen to and sort of just you know have all the information that we have rather than having to listen to it and be like, what the fuck are they talking about and have to go like Google a bunch of shit. So just to, to clarify, um, over the last like maybe month or so, uh, well, probably before that too, but specifically over the last <clears throat> month, a bunch of claims have come out surrounding uh, Lauren, aka Bass Nectar, uh, where he... Uh, groomed and uh, basically paid young women around the age of 17 and potentially 16 and whatnot for sex and, you know, had these really weird power dynamic style relationships with them. And then uh, off the back of that, other claims have come out, um, such as by yourself, Mimi, where uh, he's just been sort of like a really uh, shitty person to work with on a business perspective too right like in terms of just how much he's um you know pay, paid for instance you out uh, royalties and, and stuff like that so just just uh, i just wanted to sort of like clarify all of these claims and get those on the table as well so anybody who's listening can sort of follow along with with the other information that we have here yeah and i'll just clarify with that you know the reason why i'm even integrating my experience with this is because i don't believe in victim shaming and a lot of these girls are getting just destroyed on reddit and there was one of his fans who had even doxed this, the girl who had said she was 17 and was in the tape and had put her business, her location, um, telling people to go and take her yoga class and film her and stalk her. Um, I won't stand for that. And I've, I've spoken to multiple girls because just you know, like Dylan said, it's unfolding and I needed to know the extent of this because, you know, I, I've gone through what I've gone through and, you know, business wise, of course, like it's been disgusting, but, you know, aside from that email that I shared, I had no idea that he would have gone to the depths of what he's been accused of. So when I saw the victim shaming, um, that's when I was like, I need to back up these women in the fact that I've seen a darker side of this human being. Um, and I am only supporting their story because, you know, they, they don't have any, it, at least in their, in the fans perspective, you know, where is their credibility? You know, it's their word against his. So being that I'm somebody who has been connected to him at a close level. And I, I guess you could say my credibility is that I personally know him. I've worked with him for almost a decade. I wanted to verify his character and that, no, this is not this humanitarian feminist who he's proclaiming to be. He is somebody completely different. And, you know, my most important fact about my experience was that the manipulation was always there. And when I needed to speak up about him gaslighting his victim, saying, you know, I was 17, um, I did not know who I was, and it was totally inappropriate. He admits it, but then says, do you really want me to find accountability in a Tennessee jail? Do you want to see me get raped in prison? I mean, that's gaslighting, that's, that's psychological abuse, that's absolute result of a narcissistic personality disorder um, in regards to gaslighting and victim shaming and not acknowledging this person's experience. So 
um, that's when I needed to speak up and also share my story that when I had confronted him about my reality and of him, you know, taking my royalty um, under the mask of I'm protecting you. Um, and I had said, look, I have real life problems, you know, like I'm not complaining. I understand the music business is hard. I am grateful that I can even work with you. I'm grateful for your platform. I was respectful saying, you know, had this deal been different, you know, I don't believe that you were being honest with me, but also had it been different, you know, when I have, you know, a family member who's sick and there's hospital bills, you know, it's a humble thing to say. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, you know, but had I not had that dynamic with him, I may have been at least more protected in my own life with what I was going through. And he told me to quit music. That was his response to me. It wasn't, I'm sorry that your relative is sick. And I'm so sorry that, you know, I wasn't fair to you. He told me, well, if this is too hard for you to handle, then maybe you should find something else for work. So that's when I said, you know, that that is somebody who is totally not a humanitarian or a feminist. This is somebody completely different. And I need to support these women and that this backs the character that they're saying he is. Right. Yeah. The problem, and this is something Dylan and I were also just talking about off, uh, like before this recording started, is this is kind of just par for the course for the music industry. It seems like in general, like this isn't a problem with just Lauren, for instance. Like I've had this issue with other big collaborators too. Like I, as I, have I. I've collaborated. Right. I mean, it's pretty normal, I feel like, as a smaller artist to collaborate with someone who's much bigger than you, who has this like giant platform and for you to do a shitload of the work and for them to then hit you with these like, you know, either instead of uh, crediting you properly as a collaborator, putting you as a feature or, um, you know, giving you a shitty percentage on the publishing and the royalties, you know, like, like I for instance, I'm... Um, made us almost an uh, I made an entire song for someone basically and uh you know I was credited as a proper collaborator but they tried to hit me with um only 20 percent of the royalties and publishing of which I was clearly entitled 50 at least if not more than that because I wrote the song um but there's not much you can really do about it right because like then you hit with a predicament and that predicament is uh, do I do this thing that could, you know, open up a lot of doors for me and get my name into a lot of conversations that it wasn't in before? Or do I, uh, you know, and stand my ethical ground of, or, and moral ground of being like, um, you know, no, like I'm, I'm worth this much because I did X, Y, Z work. So why should I take this shitty percentage? Or do I take the shitty percentage and then try to do some, as you said in your uh, open letter, maybe mental gymnastics to try and <laughs> figure out, um, to, to try and justify that low percentage that you're getting and then make up the rest of the value uh, to you in this exposure way, right? And that unfortunately, I'm, I'm assuming Lauren did that with a lot of collaborators if he's done that to you and potentially Dylan as well. But like, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's not a thing that he just does. Like that is just standard for the music industry in general. And I think that's the thing we should yeah. talk about. Too, and I right? mean, I think that's also why I, I was like, People are like, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you talk about the professional abuse that you had suffered until now? It seems like you're using the uh, the you know sexual abuse of the victims as a vehicle to promote your own agenda and promote your own grievances, right? And to that criticism, I would answer that 
the reason why I did not mention the professional abuse that I had suffered, uh, and we can get into that. I've got some stories that would blow your hair back, but, um, you know, the, the reason why I didn't say anything is because it would have been very much to my detriment to have mentioned those things in the situation prior to the revelations coming out. And that it would have, I mean, even just telling the fan base, like I, I had a real eye-opening moment in this whole thing when, because I mean, the big turning point for me was when Rachel shared her recording of Lauren incriminating himself, where he admits to having sex with her when she was 17 and tries to manipulate her into not speaking up by... Right, by saying, like, do you want me to go to jail and stuff? Yeah, like that. that to me, because there's no, there was no um, room for editorial bent on that. That recording stands alone. That recording stands for, stands by itself as a piece of real evidence in which he very much incriminates himself and very much shows that he is mentally not in a place of accountability. He's not in a place of compassion. He's not in a place of taking responsibility for his actions whatsoever. He's just trying to manipulate his way out of prison. You know, that audio very clearly shows that. So that was that was the big turning point for me. And then when I, you know, so I mentioned that in my, my long video that I made, I made that half hour long video that, um, you know, where I was basically trying to see the problem from all sides and put it in perspective, you know, where it wasn't just like, hey, let's crucify this guy. And it was just like, let's, you know, let's look rationally at what's going on. Let's look rationally at what can we, what can we know from the evidence as presented? What should we be skeptical of? What, what should we take into consideration as real, you know? And I think that video was fairly well received by the base nectar community. But after speaking with Rachel, and after seeing that um, that one base nectar fan who started that Reddit, the Reddit slash R slash support base nectar, where they doxed Rachel and encouraged gang stalking of her. Once I saw that, I made another post where I was like, "Look, it, you know, those of you in the base nectar community need to be." on the lookout for this gang stalking behavior and this doxing and this, because this is wrong. And if the base nectar community ever stood for anything, it should stand for compassion and justice for these abused women. And that, you know, it's on the community to, to stop this gang stalking and stop this doxing and stop this victim shaming. And once I said that, there were members of the community that were very triggered by this and just thousands of angry Bass Nectar fans just started coming for me. And it was like nothing I've ever experienced. It was crazy. Like I was just having anxiety attacks. I was just getting it from all angles. Like all of my social medias everywhere was just getting blown up. There were Reddit threads about it. There were Twitter threads about it. There were people on Facebook just coming for me. This is in response to the video that you uploaded No, this is, this is in response to some tweets where I called out the victim shaming and, and encouraged the community right, to, right, right. To, to, to stop the victim shaming, to, 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 to be vigilant. And Base Nectar fans were 
angry at you for saying maybe don't stalk this this woman. That that was what triggered the community, and that to me that to me was just fucking crazy. And like I you know, I've been just reeling from that, you know, ever since. Like I've never you know I've had people be like, oh you're you're a fag with your weird hair, your music sucks, you know. Like I've had that my whole life. That I'm used to. That something I can bear. But so I, I actually got a message on my Instagram, uh, maybe just after you sent one of these tweets, and somebody said to me like, "Oh, there's a reason why your music's been, or why you've been in your career hasn't progressed in the last like two decades. It's because your music's shit, and like, fuck you, you're an idiot. You should like stop hating on people online." And I was like, "Wait, what the fuck? Who is this guy?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Do you think I'm someone else?" And then like a minute later, he responded. Oh, no, sorry. He's seen the message, didn't respond for like two hours. And I was like, oh, he probably realized like I wasn't the guy. I, I kind of like put a bunch of information together in my head. And I was like, I think he thinks because of the yeah. Mr. Bill Gates thing. Yeah, you I probably got collateral damage <laughs> from the fucking shit storm. Yeah, I got, I got one collateral damage from this. But yeah, it really, that really fucked me up, man. And I mean, it's, since then, I've been just like stress dreams every night and like, I mean, last night, like, I just want this to fucking be over. I just want it to stop. I just want to focus on, you know, like, like, I mean, I, I'm, it's a crazy time right now. Like Portland is in like open revolt and there's, you know, these brown shirts rounding people up and throwing them into vans, you know, like, it's like the, the country is, is convulsing with chaos and turmoil and I've got. I've got a family and a one and a half year old daughter to worry about in this while my entire music industry has collapsed. And, you know, I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the rent, let alone my taxes. And it's just like, I've got other things to worry about than thousands of angry people out for blood. And it's just like, and I mean, my studio, like if this was a video podcast, you could see the wall behind me. Like I made custom wallpaper for my studio with a software that you can print on your walls. And I cut out 400 plus pieces of printer paper and wheat pasted them to walls, to, to, for, to each of the walls to form these giant images. And the main image on the back wall that you come into my studio is the one time, like Lauren had always been promising that he would you know, help my career, that he would do blog posts for me to, to throw a spotlight on me, that he would have me open for him, that, that he would take me on tour. He'd always been just dangling that fucking carrot, you know, telling me he's going to release my album on his label and then I should book a tour. And then as soon as I booked the tour, he did this to me twice, where I booked a tour, getting ready for my album to come out on his label. And then at the last minute after the tour was booked, he was like, yeah, surprise, album's not coming out, fuck you. And then I have all these promoters who are like, yo, you, you, booked this tour under the pretense that your album was coming out on Bass Nectar's label and now it's just like not so you you know fuck you and they they like it damaged my relationship very seriously with all these promoters he did this to me twice the second time too I made him promise that it wasn't going to be like the last time and like an idiot I fell for his manipulation again you know and it's just like it's just really damaged my relationship with all of these promoters but through it all you know, I was trying to see things in a, a positive light. I was trying to keep my eye on the good that it did for my career. And I was trying to remember the good times. And I was trying to remember that, you know, probably half my fans came to me through him. So in my starry-eyed optimism, I had made this mural of the family photo. 
from that one night that I got to be direct support for him in Atlantic City. And my whole wall, it's like eight feet high, 20 feet wide, base nectar family photo. All these happy, screaming kids having the night of their life. Lauren in the center of it, just base nectar logos everywhere. And that's the wall that's behind me at this moment. Like I haven't, I haven't had the heart and the, the time to, to go over it. And I'm just like, I'm confronted with that wall in the room that I'm supposed to make my music. And, you know, I'm just all these fans. Like I look in the eyes of these fans on this wall and I see the devotion in their eyes and the, the passion that they had for this project. And then, you know, I just getting attacked like crazy online. And like last night, man, like I just fucking needed to just be away from everything, you know, because I've got a screaming child in the house. I've got my wife to worry about. I've got all these financial problems. I just fucking like curled up into a ball in the vocal booth for like an hour, you know, and it's just so fucked up, you know? And then I was sitting there and like my phone alerts started going off and I looked and people were donating to my PayPal. Um, and I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I guess like Mimi's, um, Mimi's open letter had really kind of shifted the tide. So I wasn't like the only one standing up for these women anymore. And I wasn't the only one that was the target of all this hate. And, you know, I guess some, the message had gotten out in the community that, you know, about how, you know, Mimi was taken advantage of. And I mean, I might, my, my, the, the cover photo for the base nectar evidence against base nectar page is the Take You Down EP. It's the Take You Down track. The singer for Take You Down, this girl Miranda, had her own drama with Bass Nectar, and she was kind of like the, um, you know, head of the uh, effort to take him down. And ironically, in the track Take You Down was the one that she did the vocals for with her own drama story. But the intro for that track, Lauren took from another collab that we did. And... He basically says like, oh, yeah, you know, can I use some of the ideas from that collab for something else? And I was like, I don't know, whatever, sure, just let me know. Let me know, like, whatever, you know. Um, but I didn't think that, 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 you know, can I use some of the ideas for another collab? That's not, can I use verbatim the work you did and not give you credit and not give you any royalties? Right. You know, so just, um... that's just like... It's just not what he asked, you know? So I had agreed to that. And then he went and just took my intro and just used it for Take You Down. No royalties, no nothing. Did he show you the song afterwards or no. say, hey, I... No, it just came out. That's theft. It That's just theft. came out. So let's just call it what it is. Yeah. yeah. So you, you had similar experiences too, Mimi, right? Uh, mine was different, actually. Um, I, you know... He, that's why I had spelled it out. I had taken a music business course um, in college, and I knew about writing and publishing. I was already signed up with BMI, and one of the main things I was taught was always fight for your publishing because as a songwriter, that's what you have, you know? Like, especially with streaming, even if, you know, like, because the royalty rate is so small on Spotify and Pandora and all these different platforms— um, to always keep your publishing in case you get a sync deal, in case your your music gets on a TV show or whatever. So 
my whole deal was um, at least I was the one who had said, well, what about my writing and my publishing? You know, because that's what I was going to really fight for. And um, obviously I spelled that whole situation. I don't need to rehash it. Um, but in my open letter, I talk about that. Um, but then he had insisted, you know, told me music doesn't make money. And, you know, the philosophy. I when got I was the in- same shit from him, too. He was like, music doesn't make money. You should have a backup plan. Like music should be a hobby. Don't do music. You know, like it's not like he gave me that same fucking shit. And he also told you to quit music too, right? Yep, yeah. He told me that. And then every time we talk about my career, he's like, it's a miracle that it even worked out for you. Like, it's like it could it could fall apart at any time. It it blows my it blows my mind. It blows my mind. He's so massively successful and well respected. I don't understand this the mental position where you can look at an up-and-coming artist and claim you're a humanitarian, you're for for equality, you have a nonprofit to help people, and then you're going to look at somebody who's given you their life force. Your creativity is your life force, and you have bills to pay. If you have a plumber, if you have, you know, you go to Starbucks, you order a drink, your barista gets paid. If I'm writing you as, you know, an independent artist and you have a massive platform, you're already wealthy— how are you going to request 100% of, you know, and then that's where the whole, like we're talking about in the industry, which I really want to push to change. It's not fair. And we can't continue this where we are leveraging fame and clout and power as some type of negotiation tool. You know um, what it is? It's trickle down fame economics. Right. Kind of like the top 1% have like, you know, 99% of the wealth or whatever. It's kind of the same in, in the music industry on a micro scale to global economics, right? Yeah. And, and I'll speak to that because I've, I, you know, we've all had shitty deals, you know, and, and that's the thing. I understand, you know, you, you, you got to work hard in this current system. You got to pay your dues and, you know, eventually you can work your way towards what I, I consider an unfair system. I don't like the way it's run. But if it's run like this, then I'm going to work hard and I'm going to try to participate because that's all I can do. But when you have, and this is what is so mind-boggling to this entire community, when you have somebody who is claiming they're humanitarian and they have a nonprofit and they're saying I'm a feminist and I am for equal rights and you know, all of these different things and have a movement about it, then you're going to treat people behind the scenes like this. It is, it's beyond hypocrisy. It's corruption. And um, I, I think like one of the things that people had a real issue with in my video was when I compared um, Lauren's, uh, Lauren's sexual abuses to Motley Crue and was like, hey, you know, Motley Crue did way worse shit than he did in some ways, like in, in terms of an immediate, like, so, I mean, I don't think they were more mentally abusive to people, but they were definitely more physically abusive to, to some of their fans. But, you know, in saying that, I was not trying to normalize the abuse that, that he meted out to these young women. I was trying to put it in perspective and say like, hey, you know, he's not the first rock star to abuse his position. He's not the first... Uh, you know, I mean, the Beatles, did, did, Led Zeppelin did horrific things to some of the young fans that they had sex with. But Motley Crue, they're not going around claiming to be feminists. They're not going around claiming 
Motley Crue is not just a solo project. It's a collaboration. They're not claiming Motley Crue is the sum of the efforts of all these beautiful people that I'm trying to uplift well, yeah, they don't. They don't have this, this face of like you can do anything. And like, yeah, this whole like hopeful sort of like big peace and love attitude. Yeah, they were pigs, and they were fucking. They were like, look at us, we're pigs, we're moral degenerates, like fucking flag waving moral degenerates. And there's an honesty to that that I think made you know made it. I'm not saying acceptable, but it made their version of abuse at least a little bit less shocking a little bit less surprising you know it was almost like they were just like flag waving hedonists whereas lauren you know he went around claiming to be this beacon of of light and virtue and this kind of plays into his manipulation right like he's just it seems like he's just a manipulative and greedy person and and therefore like you, you know he wouldn't wave the flag of being that I don't think he even realizes what he was doing. Like, I think in his mind, he wasn't manipulative. In his mind, he wasn't greedy. In his mind, he was just playing the game, you know? And in some of the interviews, when you when you see him talking about, like, you know, what's justice to the anteater is injustice to the ant type of thing, and that, that whole moral relativism of it, um, I think that he really saw himself as an enlightened person and he legitimately saw himself as uh, a force for good in the world and that the, the his ends, his noble ends justified his messy means. And I think he did truly believe that. And I think I think he does still truly believe that. And that's that's why he's not taking responsibility and that's why he's not being compassionate to his victims. And that's why he's not owning his mistakes is he does you know, like a classic narcissist, believe that he serves this higher purpose that makes it all okay. And and that's why we have a law in place to protect children and teenagers, because nobody's above the law. And that's the miracle of him confessing to statutory rape and then another audio leaking out where he's talking about, yeah, well, there's loopholes and they could try to spin this like I was child trafficking. And you know, the thing is, he knows what he was doing. He knows what he was doing to these younger girls that were underage, and he's admitted to it. So I don't understand in his mind, logically, if he is, you know, in alignment with being enlightened and for the good of the world, then you know the law. And he's really playing God and saying, I'm above the law. I can do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter who I affect. And, you know, so I would, I would argue, you know, maybe he wasn't totally convinced the whole time that he was doing the, the right thing in his own warped mind. You know, he was well aware of the law. Um, and so, you Yeah, know, when I had- spoke with him at the end, he was in, in terror. He was, he was just like completely, he felt he was a victim of a smear campaign that was that had no foundation he felt that he was cornered and he was just doing everything that he could to stay out of prison and in that last conversation that we had you know he was like look i'm you know don't don't tell anyone this but i'm 
I have a gun, I'm contemplating suicide, and I need you to come to my defense. And I took that at face value, and I one last time fell for his manipulation and came out in public and defended him. And because I thought, I thought he was telling the truth. I thought, why would my friend of 20 years lie to my face like that? There's, there was no room in my mind for the possibility that that could have been a lie at that point. So I went to bat and I defended him. And then when the truth started to come out and the truth started to make itself apparent to me, I felt so sick to my stomach to know that I would have come out, publicly defended someone who did such indefensible things. And in that moment, when I heard that audio where he incriminates himself speaking with Rachel, in that moment, like I remember I just broke out into a cold sweat and I was in this very room with this giant wall-sized family photo that I spent hours and hours and hours with a team of my friends putting up. And I just remember the truth just like washing over me and I could feel this like, like, I don't know if you remember the first time you were ever screamed at by like a, a high school or like a grade school principal or something, you know, where you just feel that wave of stress hormones wash through your body and you get like, like goosebumps and like, but like in the worst way and you feel this like, it's like a, like little, like ripples of this hormone flooding your bloodstream, you know, and I could feel that I could, and it was like my, my guts were flipping and churning and I was sweating and I felt sick. And it was just like, now I'm in the midst of this fray. Now I've put myself out there. I defended this indefensible person and I put myself on the front line because I fell for that manipulation. And I took, I took his words at face value and then suddenly I'm in the fucking thick of it. And I've got people who know the victims coming at me on one side and I know they're right. And then I've got all of these base nectar fans on the other side that are like, fuck yeah, Lauren's innocent. You know, be the, be the champion of the truth. Tell these lying bitches what's up. And it's like, you know, the whole time I'm just thinking about my one and a half year old daughter and I'm thinking about the fact that she's inevitably going to learn about this in maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years, maybe 20, but she's inevitably going to learn about this and she's going to Google it and she's going to read all of this shit and she's going to ask herself, what kind of man is my father? And, you know, sitting there where I know the truth, but I've I've very emphatically aligned myself with the wrong fucking side because of this manipulation. Dude, that disconnect and that 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 pivot, that it was like my head bouncing off a fucking wall. You know, and I've just been I've been reeling ever since. You know, I've been reeling ever since and you know, my position has been kind of evolved has evolved. It evolved fucking slowly because it's a tough pill to swallow to know that your music, the thing that you care about more than anything else, could have been used as a tool by an abuser to manipulate and take advantage of underage girls. That your music, your, your my template 
you know, that this Ableton templates, like that, building those Ableton templates, I was, I mean, the first ever commercial Ableton templates, those templates were my ticket out of poverty. You know, that was like a huge portion of my life's work that that template was being used every night to perform and to pull the fucking wool over these people's eyes and to, to get them, get them ready to be as cult members, to get them ready to be as victims that my songs were getting played every night, that my template was getting used every night. Stadiums full of people waiting to be fucking groomed. It's just like, it's the, the, like, I'm still so fucked up by it, man. And I remember last night when I was curled up into a ball in that vocal booth and, you know, like a couple of these donations started coming in. It wasn't like a ton of money, but it was something, you know? And I just remember seeing those come in and just being like, I'm going to get fucking therapy because like my back is against the wall financially right now. Like my place is five grand a month. You know, it was all predicated on like, I was making five grand a week as a DJ before this fucking COVID shit happened, you know? And like my whole lifestyle and everything, like my health insurance is two grand a month. My rent is five grand a month, you know? And then there's food and running the dojo and all my employees and everything. And it's just like, I'm, I'm on a fucking razor's edge, you know? And I just remember seeing those like, couple little donations coming in. I, I just like, just before this call, I fucking signed up for therapy. I cannot fucking wait. Dude, honestly, therapy is sick. I just started doing it um, for other reasons, uh, which we don't have to get into. But uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about like <clears throat> the idea of your music being used for for kind of this like mass manipulation or, or or whatever and um you talked about this in your tumblr post mimi where you were saying you know there's people who have gotten tattoos of butterflies and stuff which is the song that you wrote Dude, people Lauren. have open your eyes bass nectar tattoos and that's an ill gates fucking track i wrote for my dead dog that has nothing to do with him his remix isn't even different it just has a sex drake mix down that's it people have open your eyes bass nectar tattoos like full fucking side of their torso i'm just like do your homework Fuck. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll speak to the tattoo because I've I've opened my DMs um, to survivors who are triggered by this because, you know, my dynamic with Lauren was a professional one and it was a very negative one and it was a psychologically damaging one. Um, but you know, being a sexual abuse survivor myself, when you're affiliated with somebody who is a predator and you don't know it and your own fans who have branded their body. Um, and you know, many of the victims I called said, I found him through your song. I thought that was him. And when I was like this whole time when him manipulating me saying, you're so ethereal, you're so, you know, your music is so dreamy and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, it, 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 it feels good to be seen and acknowledged from somebody with a platform for your true aesthetic, you know, and being an independent electronic artist. Um, it's, it, you're not, I'm not a pop star, you know, like I'm paving my own way with my own sound. So I felt seen and heard by him. Um, so, you know, for him to get that out of me and then take full production credit for it and then have these girls um, think that that ethereal feminine sound was coming from him, that euphoric experience he created. Um, it's, 
you know, and then to for them to get the tattoos. And then many of the girls were lured in by that. Um, it was such a deception. You know, I had spoken to a girl that was having like a panic attack because she didn't know how to get the tattoo off her body. And, you know, that's really intense. When I really made that epiphany, I was with my therapist and I just said, I feel like I was bait. I feel like my creativity was bait. I was never, I was never ever respected. I was used. And I threw up, I physically threw up. And Dylan, like you, when you said you were in fetal, fetal position, like I have really struggled with this really bad. Um, and it's just triggered my own because um, we hold trauma on a cellular level. We hold it yeah, in our body. I'm and learning so, that. Yeah. And so it's like you can logically move on and say, yeah, that's in the past. That was, you know, in this year and I'm a better person for it and I'll put it in my music. But if you ever do breath work, if you ever do tapping, if you ever do EMDR um, where you're physically releasing trauma, you know, like if you clench your jaw or you grind your teeth or you have physical tics, you know, from PTSD, that's your trauma. And so a lot of it's subconscious. So I was having these like tremors through my body when I made that connection. And I did a whole EMDR session with my therapist. Where What's I EMDR was like, for the, the lay person in the audience? Sure. So EMDR is um, a really powerful technique where you're doing memory recall. Um, and you're trying to, and I'm not really going to explain this the best because I'm not a psychologist or a therapist, but um, basically I'm doing a version where I'm tapping different pressure points of my body, um, like my my temples, my forehead, like, and I am going to, I, I'll be talking about a trauma. And, you know, I, I talked about this trauma and then I will try to replace that pain with something better as I'm tapping. So it's like a physical release. So what does EMDR well. stand for? Oh, gosh, um, I could Google it right now. Um, let me see. Uh, it is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, okay. which is a form of psychotherapy developed by Francine Shapiro. Um, and it's being treated, uh, sorry, in which the person being treated is asked to recall distressing images. Uh, let's see. That's totally it. So, um, so what happens is I'm, I'm trailing her fingers with my eyes while I'm tapping different pressure points on my body. So I am getting out of like my logical brain, which has that defense mechanism, which all of us, you know, we want to distract. We don't want to go into the trauma. We don't want to go into the pain. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm struggling to even remain in this conversation right now. This is fucking like my palms are sweating. Like it's, it's a reflex. I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm here. I'm yeah, here. Yeah, I love you. I I'm love here. you too. This is just I'm here. fucking I'm right hard, here. man. And I, don't I know. know, like the idea of people fucking listening to this is just like. But guess what? This is this is what 2020 is about. There is no disguise. There is no mask. We are fully exposed. We are raw. We are suffering. It is massively painful. But guess what? It needs to happen in order to heal. And that's what therapy is. You are taking open, you're reopening wounds because they never healed. And in order, it's like surgery, you know, you can, you can put all of the band-aids on a gaping wound that you can, but until like, you know, it's like a gunshot, you got to remove the bullet, you've got the poison in there. So that's the, the, the hard part. The physical body goes right back to that trauma and you are physicalizing it. And so just, just follow me here because this, this whole EMDR session, when I was dealing with this and I was realizing my song was baiting young girls. And I was a young girl at multiple age ages um, of abuse. 
I was physicalizing that and I couldn't handle it. I wanted to die. I was, I was literally shaking and convulsing with her. And she, she kept saying, okay, she breathe, breathe, breathe. And I was just physically releasing it. Um, and I'm lucky I, I, I do equine therapy as well as EMDR. So I'm around horses. I'm very blessed cause I'm in the country. Um, but I, I was, what helped me was I was outside. I was looking at the trees. I was looking at the ground. I was remembering I was safe and that I wasn't with a predator. I was, I was safe and, but, but my body was still there. So it was like, I was totally having to realign my entire experience to be present in the moment. And what happens is once you go into that pain, then she says, now, now go to what's your happy place. And for me, it's my garden. Um, and she goes, tell me about your garden. And I'm doing the tapping and I'm following her eyes. And she's like, and I'm sobbing, you know, and I'm shaking. And she goes, tell me about your garden. And I'm telling her about my eggplants and my flowers and the puppy that is helping me water my plants and loves to just jump in my water hose and the sun on my face. And I started to replace that pain and that trauma with goodness and peace and light. And um, what, what it's doing to the brain, I mean, this is why, you know, healing, it is a, it's a chemical thing. You know, you can't, you, talk therapy is amazing, but this is why I, I deeply believe in like the study of this, this tapping and this EMDR because it's in the body and, and breath work. When you're tying your breath, that's your life force. You have shallow breaths when you're, you're traumatized. And so when you deepen your breath, you're able to root and oxygenate every cell in your body. And, and then, you know, we get sick if we hold on to trauma and we're anxious. And so when we're able to relax, then we can really heal. We don't only heal our psyche, we heal the body. We heal, we heal our soul. So, um, you know, to speak to this trauma of these girls, you know, that unlocked all my trauma and once I was able to work through this with my therapist, um, I was able to continue speaking to these women and men who can't handle, you know, these tattoos. And in my own clarity after my therapy, which is why therapy is incredible, because all you can ask for is clarity. When you're foggy and you're in your emotion, you can't think. You, can't, you don't even know what to do. You're just, you're traumatized. You're in fight or flight mode. But in my clarity... After I've been able to process this, I've been able to tell these fans that, you know, what is the butterfly at all? Because I won't let Lauren's actions take away the light and the love and my entire soul in this song. I won't let his actions take that away from me. So, you know, when you got that tattoo, what did that tattoo mean to you? Several of my fans, they had people that died. And this, this song represented you know, somebody who passed away or, you know, a feeling of transformation in their lives. And I said, let this pain right now be your transformation. Let this moment be the ultimate transformation and that we can turn this horrific experience into something beautiful together. We can redefine this. And with the base logo, you know, what is that stand for? This is the mass awakening that we can't continue to hurt each other anymore. With this industry needs to change. The, 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 the preying on young girls needs to change. Um, the idea of groupie culture, you know, like why is a grown man with millions of dollars hunting little girls that aren't fully developed mentally yet and luring them with their power and their fame and their money? Um, we need to address this. It's romanticized in our culture and it's psychologically damaging to these girls because later on when they grow up and they're in their maturity and in their power, they're like, 
what the hell was I doing? Because this person dropped me after I got too old. And once I started thinking for myself, they dropped me. I was used. I, in the moment, of course, well, it's I, I think for maybe those of those who are not super familiar with the way everything went down, um, I think that it's it's important to point out at this point that, you know, and let's say like the, the Datsik or Space Jesus cases, you know, those guys are just like, hey, we're here for the party. It's party time. Hey, young girls, do you want do you want to party with us? We're all partying. Everybody gets high. They have regrettable sex. They go on their way. That sucks. That's gross. And there are definitely like some stories from those cases where it certainly seems like they were like, hey, let's get these girls wasted until they don't know what's going on and then having se- then have sex with them, which is rape, right? But they weren't sending emails ask- asking them for help with their homework. They weren't asking these girls to write them essays. They weren't trying to be a father figure. They weren't trying to be a life coach. They weren't telling them to move cities. They weren't telling them to break up with their boyfriends. They weren't telling them that they needed to, you know, completely rearrange their life to be at the beck and call of Datsik or Space Jesus secretly flying around to hotels, getting thousands of dollars of hush money or payments for sex. I don't know what you want to call that. They, you know, there's, there's like, like, yeah, they were sober when they made the decision to sleep with Lauren, but the levels of twisted manipulation and grooming and mental domination are in many ways worse than an impulsive spur of the moment, drugged out rape. You know? Well, yeah, I think it's way worse because, well, not way worse, but it, I, I agree. I, I definitely think it's worse because I think it's just like it's a new level of manipulation. Like a, one of the other things that I read somewhere was that um, when he'd ask these young girls to go to hotels and and meet up with him, he would ask them to lie to their parents and say they were going to go hang out with a teacher called Gabe or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's like yeah. par for the course. Like the more of these accounts that come out, and Mimi has like. Like, I've been privy to some of what's not in the public sphere, but Mimi has just, you know, by by virtue of her open letter, by virtue of her positioning in this, and by virtue of her being a woman and a survivor herself, she's kind of created this safe space for these victims to to reach out. And she's had much more direct and much more intimate contact with the victims and with the truth that's not in the public sphere. And I just want to say, you know, like I want to commend Mimi for the leadership role that she's adopted in all of this because I was like, I was still way more under the manipulation than I thought. And Mimi Mimi really opened my eyes to the truth and she opened my eyes to things that I just didn't get because I'm a dude and because I'm a, a married dude who's just not in groupie culture. You know, I've been with the same girl well, woman, same woman for 14 years. You know, I've never fucked a groupie. I've always like just been, you know, just completely like out of that world. So I assumed that that meant, you know, I was above making mistakes when it comes to to understanding what it's like. You know, I was, I just like, there were, there were just, there's just things that I was taking for granted because I was a dude because I was just not in that world that Mimi really opened my eyes to. Um, 
But her, like, she has so much more of an intimate knowledge of what's not in the public sphere. And just hearing hearing some of what the real victims went through makes me feel like, you know, even just sharing that I was curled up in a, a ball in my vocal booth and that that I was accepting donations. It makes me feel like, who am I to accept that? Who am I to be so traumatized when there are these victims that have been quietly suffering outside of the public sphere. Where's their relief fund? Where's their therapy money? You know? And it's just like, I don't, like, I fuck, I, oh God, talking about this shit is so hard. Anyway. Just, well, let me, let me yeah. speak to that because I had a miracle um, email today and I have a call set up for next week, but with my first letter, it was my first statement um, where I was just, you know, it was before my open letter and I just wanted to state my my feelings because I stood with these girls. I had had conversations. I verified evidence, you know, because um, like I said, I don't believe in, quote, cancel culture without verifying evidence. I understand that people like sabotage people, but I will always stand with a woman and say, I want to hear your story. I want to see, you know, like sometimes even word of mouth, you know, like that is, that is proof. You know, you can't, sometimes you don't have evidence, but these girls have emails. They have, you know, uh, video. How could he be so dumb as to send them these fucking emails? How could he be so dumb as to make these phone call recordings? I'll speak to that. I think this is a, 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 this is a huge miracle. I think it's a huge miracle. I don't even want to give it power that, that it, he has anything to do with this. I think it's a divine miracle that, we are giving these girls the chance to heal and the whole music industry can be accountable to shifting their behavior and their culture. I'm going to call it out as a miracle. Um, but the miracle today is that, you know, from my first statement, I said with the small royalty that I do have, you know, this is why in my open letter, I wanted to clarify, I'm no millionaire at all. I'm an independent artist and I struggle as well. I'm also in a pandemic, you know, um, I have been totally, you know, scared. And that's why I even shared my last email with Lauren is that I said there was a few, a food shortage here, you know, and I started growing my own food, not because, oh, because I can, but like, I was scared that not only I, you know, wouldn't have food, but also my neighbors. So I started growing one of every vegetable and I'm like, I'm just going to start farming just in case, you know, and that's why I was like, oh, the pumpkin seeds, 250 bucks and not crediting me. And I still haven't received that payment. Um, to be on his new album, you know, that just shows his mentality. But, um, you know, speaking to the, um, the miracle today is that in my first statement, I said I wanted to donate my small portion of my writing and my publishing to Rain or any nonprofits that, you know, focus and specialize in sexual abuse. And my dream and why I called in Lauren and said, you know, not just me, but all collaborators, if you have been spending our bad deals, the royalties you took from us to pay off silence and hurt these women without us knowing, that's not okay with me. And going forward, as you quit music, that's not unemployment. That is you collecting still off our hard-earned creativity Um and yeah, just just for those who haven't been following this that closely, Lauren referred to himself as unemployed. Right, after he was like, oh, I didn't do anything, and that is why I'm stepping down from my $40 million career. Yeah, so so I had I had just said if I, and I would, I would love to request from him 
a reconsideration of his dealings with us, with every collaborator. Every collaborator he's never credited. Every collaborator he is he has totally manipulated out of royalties and then used for this corrupt, disgusting, illegal lifestyle. Um, I would I would request that we get our royalties back, and that's why I called him in. Um, but with the, the what I do have, with what I do have, which I said is my thirty three percent writing and my publishing, with the small percentage that I do have in order to tell these girls with my tattoos on their bodies. If you hear this song, it's going to rain. It's it, the royalties are going to a nonprofit. But if I'm able to get the means in some way, if he's able to rectify this, I want to start my own nonprofit and I want to hire the ambassadors. I want to hire the victims. I want to lead with sound therapy. I want to lead with meditation. You know, there's incredible artists like uh, Born who um, the incredible rapper and lyricist who's been on so many different uh, songs of Lauren's, many uncredited. You know, he has an incredible artistry where he's doing sound healing bowls and he's rapping and it's a very spiritual experience. I want to be able to give him a platform through this nonprofit to help heal survivors. You know, his his victim, you know, Rachel, she's a yoga instructor. She, instructor. She's helping heal people you know, even though she's hurting and needs to heal. I would love to give her the platform through a nonprofit to teach yoga, restorative yoga. Um, you know, there's Dylan. I want you to give your beautiful teaching and, and your music to, to survivors. We could all work together. And all these ambassadors who are writing me that are saying, yeah, you know, I, I feel like, you know, like we really got to like, there's got to be some kind of fun for them or something, you know, because it's like, like I just... They've just been there, sidelined in silence, and seeing what's happened to Rachel, I, c- I can understand why they're they're only speaking to us in private. Like I can understand that, and even Rachel, she's like, "Fuck, I, I just like the idea of going to court with this, or the idea of like going forwards and just facing." Like I, I got the fucking wrath of the Wooks just from just from telling them to stop doxing people, you know. And it's like I can't imagine. You know, like, like, like if you're, if you're publicly, you're publicly anything but a Jane Doe, you're a fucking target. Like, I, I mean, I, you know, I've known Lauren for a long time and like, I saw people leave shit on his front doorstep. You know, he would have people calling him up being like, Hey, you know, if you ever need a mass shooter, I got you. Or like people would be like, Oh, I'm I was going to kill myself, but I thought I'd reach out to you first. And he'd have to fucking talk them off the ledge or talk them off of too. being a mass shooter or whatever. It just comes <laughs> from being that that famous. It comes from having that that cult level following. So, you know, his followers, there are his some of his followers that are batshit fucking crazy. They're not all. Most of them are wonderful, compassionate, loving people. Most of them are on the right side. Most of them saw the truth and, and turned around. But there is a subsection of these people that are fucking batshit crazy and dangerous. And... You know, it's like, like these victims that are in silence, you know, I mean, I'm sure Lauren probably paid some of them to not take them to court, you know, but there's, there's probably a many that did weren't like, oh, let me call up old fucking low dog. He's calling me in. Let's give him a fucking dingle. See if he wants to cut me a check. You know, I'm sure there's like, sure. There's a huge portion of them that are just like fucking just silently suffering you know 
There are, and and I, I, you know, without going into too much, I had spoken to somebody who, you know, had a really hard time telling her story, and I, I didn't seek her out. Multiple friends of hers had told me she was wanting to tell her story, and I, you know, had been texting, and I said, hi, I would love to hear it. She's just not mentally ready, and she finally was, and oh my God, like, you know, that's why I'm saying, like, I... It's it's private and, you know, I don't want to go into too much, but these girls are suffering. They are suffering. Um, and like I say, it's not just a story. Like, they have evidence. It's very descriptive. And, you know, back to, you know, Rain, the organization reached out to me because they're aware of my open letter, and um, which, you know, was uh, amazing. So the miracle is I have a call with them next week. And so even if Lauren is going to ghost everybody and walk away with his millions and do nothing, that's why I'm saying like the only thing we can do right now to help these women heal um, is to, you know, try to use what we have. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to speak to this nonprofit next week. I want to see if there's any way that I could use some of the ambassadors that have, you know, passion you know, and they don't have a place to exercise that passion if they want to. As soon as we got that, as soon as we got that link, I'm gonna, I will blast it to my whole mailing list. I'll blast it to everybody. I'm sure Bill will blast it too. Like as soon as we have that link, I'm as soon as we have that link. Yeah, because I'm, you know, it's early stages, but my dream is, is if we have a platform, you know, because we're still in COVID and a lot of people are inside, and that if we are able to have like um, a subsection of a powerful nonprofit. And focus on sound healing and meditation and do Zoom groups where we can all share our stories together and give each other, you know, because sometimes all you need is an ear to listen to you. You know, you, you don't need to do the EMDR. You don't need to do the equine therapy. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. So if we can have a, a type of platform together with this specific community and we can use that, you know, that is healing right Yo, now. I just, I just want to put it out there too. Um you know, I just want to say talking to you, Mimi, has completely, you know, as someone who's been through therapy and who, like, knows about processing this stuff, like, I didn't, you know, this is relatively new to me. You know, I've suffered some abuse in my life, but it was like, you know, I always just kind of, like, stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on, just just didn't didn't really address it, you know? And this is the first time that I've had something that's major you know, that, that really, that really fucked me up at such a deep level because it's like, it's a betrayal of 20 years of trust, you know? So you can like mess up your, uh, whole opinion or view on like what a trustworthy person could be and just make you sort of very paranoid from a root level of everyone going yeah. forward. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I am a different person after this, but talking to you, Mimi and like, she, I mean, Mimi was, she was there for me, man. Like she's, we had many conversations that were like just two hour long late night fucking phone conversations where she just talked me through all this and really helped me to help me to, to find my strength in it and help me to help me to just face facts and face reality for what it is and not just not be, not just believe what feels good to believe, but actually find a place where I have the strength to believe what is true and to act coming from a place of, of, truth and not just not just what's efficacious or what's convenient so i would like to put it out there that 
there, I know there are all these victims out there that are suffering in silence. And I just want to put it out there that, that I'm, I'm here to listen and that I'm, I'm here too. You know, it's not just Mimi, but you know, I'm easy enough to get a hold of just like send me a DM on Twitter or what uh, Reddit or whatever, but I'll give you my phone number. I'll, I'll make time. I'll fucking listen because you know, as much as my suffering sucks, you know, I at least stood to gain from the abuse, you know, because of the, the, the trickle-down fame economics. I at least had some career advantages with which I could justify my continued acceptance of the abuse that I was suffering. Whereas, you know, I know a lot of these victims, it's like, they really didn't have anything to gain. It was just all manipulation. It was just all smoke and mirrors, you know? So I just want to, I just want to put it out there. Like if, if you have been a victim, I'm here for you. I'll listen, you know? Dylan, you're so awesome. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, as a man, I can't tell you on behalf of women, how powerful that is. Thank you so much for being the leader that you are, because we need you as an industry professional and also, you know, your gender speaks volumes to other men. You give inspiration to other men to be there for women. You know, so you're you're being a leader right now, and I and I massively respect you, and I'm grateful. Yeah, thanks, Mimi. I I couldn't have done I couldn't have made these realizations, and I couldn't have had this personal growth without you. So thank you. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. Um, but I wanted to say thanks to both of you for coming on and talking about this. I think is really cool to uh, have this conversation and uh I'll, I'll link uh mimi i'll link your open letter to lauren in the episode description and dylan i'll link your video that you posted yeah. to youtube also in the episode description but if there's anywhere else that people can find uh either of you where's the best place to do that i'm, I'm at ill gates music almost everywhere um it's ill dash gates on soundcloud um, but I'm Ill Gates Music almost everywhere. Um, IllGates.com if you want to download my music for free. Um, but, you know, if you want to actually DM me, I'm easiest on Twitter probably or Reddit. Uh, and, yeah, I just, you know, Bill, like I, I honestly, when this was proposed, I wasn't so sure about it. But I think it is, I think it is the right thing to do. But, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking like sweating, man, like this whole... It's so hard to fucking talk about this shit, man. Like, it really is. Yeah, and I, I'll speak to that. I just want to tell everyone listening, you know, like, this is a giant collective trauma, and that's what I tried to address in my open letter. And, and you know, I just did a YouTube video to follow up because I'm getting bullied on Reddit. You know, people are trying to say I'm coming at, you know, trying to clout chase and shit for trying to stand up for these victims. And the only reason why I've shared my story, I waited almost nine years to do it, is because when you have victims coming forward, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And you get so much hatred for it. So the best you can do is stand up for them and say, I can validate that this person who did this to you was not a good person um, because this is what my experience was. So, you know, I would just ask everyone listening to open their hearts and use this as an opportunity to be kind and compassionate and, you know, not just to, you know, the, the victims, you know, listen to their story, 
be there for them, you know, and then listen to the other people in your own community, in your own life, in your workplace, in your schools. You know, maybe your your neighbor is suffering right now. So so really open your heart to the world around you and be there for people. This is really, really important. Um, and that's how we can transmute the pain of this. And, you know, I'm grateful for this podcast because mainstream media did one sweep of, yep, base nectar stepped down, you know, and that's shock value. But um, and then, dude, the next are, week they were like, Billboard yeah. was like, hey, check it out. Album's charting. Exactly. This so the next week. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, all the independent media, the electronic music blogs that have picked up my open letter, that they're discussing what's going on. Um, props to Elephant Journal um, and Medium for um, speaking about deeper issues um, and, you know, all of the all the electronic music blogs that have picked up this and then this podcast, you know, we if we're going to change this industry and then the world, we have to talk about the hard stuff. That's just what has to happen. And it's uncomfortable. And something like this, yes, everybody's world is upside down and it's really hard, but there's beauty on the other side of this. That's what healing is. That's why there's a rainbow after rain. There's beauty when you go through the worst parts of life. Diamonds are formed under the worst conditions. Butterflies emerge after dying in a chrysalis. They liquefy. You know, that there's beauty after the pain. So if we can all just band together and go through this pain together, we're going to come out the other side stronger and more beautiful than ever. Yeah, that's a really great way to look at it. I think it's awesome that you're looking at this as like a, a possible like, uh, you know, pivot point for positivity. In our culture and in our world. Right. Well, thanks again for coming on. I, I really appreciate both of you. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for reaching out, man. Like I, uh, I didn't know if it was a good idea. Um, basically, up until that last speech of Mimi's, and now I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. But thank you, Bill. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. (laughs) 